Hello and welcome to Blaze Pod. It's Wednesday, the 28th of April. My name is Ben and I am joined, as always, by Andrew. How are you doing, pal? I'm all right, mate. How are you? I'm good as well. A glorious win for the Blades at the weekend. Yeah, we are staying up from 20th. Maybe we'll finish 19th. You never know. What is it, three wins behind West Brom, I think? I'm afraid I haven't looked. I'm, I'm, I know, yeah. I, I, I saw someone say this. I think, you know, the great 19th is on, I think. Yeah, well, that's something to aim for, I suppose. Um, the main point of today's podcast, we are going to rank the top 10 players of the Chris Wilder era. You know, the uh, present-day Blades, there's not too many conclusions to draw from what are essentially more meaningless than pre-season friendlies, I'd say, because of the managerial this situation. Is it for me. I think I've missed two games this season. I, did, I watched. I think I watched last half an hour on Saturday. An hour out, I was once again doing my one-man mission to help the pubs of Sheffield survive <laughs> the pandemic. <laughs> uh, if, if, if United are on uh, and I'm at home, I'm not doing anything, I'll watch it. But if I'm not, you know what I mean? For me, it's just sort of... I think they're all Western friendlies. I think because... At least with friendly, you've got a manager there who you can think, oh, he's trying that out and he's trying this out. I think these are way more pointless than friendlies. I think we're talking, I don't know what we're talking, just sort of a, it's almost like a United eleven to me because a lot of them aren't even going to be there next season. It's a weird situation with the, I, I can't remember too many things like this with a manager. I mean, it, it, I guess it's not that unusual that we haven't brought someone in for what is essentially like a waste of time few few weeks. Yeah, I completely but... understand the taking the time and everything. And, you know, I don't think there's any rush personally. I think, I'd like someone mm. in the next couple of weeks. But that's my ideal scenario. I don't know if we will, but my ideal scenario is get someone in for, you know, for the last couple of games, just to get him into the club, basically, and have a look at people. But right now, for me, I don't think we're not going to learn anything from these games. They're not, for me, they're not even almost real matches for me, to be honest. <laughs> Does, does I, I, I don't, I don't, you know, fair play to people who are, are still sort of getting uh, enthusiastic about them, whether that's being anger or whatever, because, and fair play to the players for winning, because, <laughs> I mean, I, it must be so automotive. They, they're not idiots. They know that they're, yeah, they're playing for the future, but they're, they're completely nothing games, and they have been for about 10 weeks. Indeed. Well, I did watch. Um, I watched the first win of the post-Wilder era, so yeah. hecking bottoms, red and white army, here we go. Um, do you know that was our first win at a weekend all season? I mean, it's probably not I that did. surprising, given that we... I did, yeah. I, I didn't know that until uh, I was listening to uh, Radio Sheffield, actually, Football hmm. 11 at work. And, um, yeah, they said that that's the first time we've won at a weekend. I was like, nah, that can't... Oh, it probably is. <laughs> it probably is, because we've, we've not won many in the week either so um yeah that takes us to five wins which is the same as Norwich had last season just uh you know for anyone who's uh who's counting it once again just completely blows my mind that Derby only won one game out of 38 I mean when you just look at how bad we've been and we've won five games with uh what we've got we've got five to play so you know we've got I've been saying it all week, this, to people at work and stuff. I've just been saying, how did Darwin win one? We're rubbish. Like We've had a terrible season. Injuries have been like never seen before, sort of stuff. Some might have injuries. And we've lost as manager and we're out of his depth and all this. And we've still managed to win five games. And are we the fifth worst team now of all time? Uh, that's right, I think. Yeah, we, so we go above uh, Sunderland and Huddersfield in the... Uh... Uh, annals of horrible history, yeah. So yeah. you know, that's... well, not to say the games aren't important. It, it definitely is nice not to be, you know, the. And we're going down now. 
with a bad number of points, don't get me wrong, but it's not, we're not going to be saying, and people aren't going to be pointing and saying, oh, they could be another Sheffield United with no wins and, you know what I mean? Mm. I, th- I think what you, I could see as being a future case study of like, uh, you know, a team that was good suddenly. Oh, I guess, we're we're going to be yeah, sec- we're going to be second season syndromed for the the rest of eternity, aren't we? It's always going to be Sheffield. In Ipswich, yeah. But I think we'll be I think we'll be used as an example of like how things can snowball. You know, a couple of things just a couple of things go against you early in the season, and you don't get that first win or your yeah. first point, and yeah. then. You just can't dig your way out of it. But I'd rather be. What? What? Sorry, I, I phrased it wrong myself. What? What I meant is, we're not going to be pointed at. I don't want to be that derby team. No one wants mm. to be, because that is embarrassing. You know, it, the it is. one win. I mean, we we've lived through this season, and it's been a terrible, terrible season. And everyone who's listening to this, if they support United, will I'm sure concur that it's almost unimaginable how bad it's been. Really, I don't think I could ever envisage a season this bad. And we've still managed to be better than Derby by, well, what, four wins now? Yeah, four wins and uh, 17 points, so six points and counting. There's uh, mm-hmm. there's one final ignominy to overcome with regards to Derby. Is this the goals? It is. Can we avoid becoming the lowest goal scorers in Premier League history? So we're sat on 18, Derby scored 20. So we need we need three this goals. He's doing his best, isn't he? He's doing his best. He's got that half for our goal. Also. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really as close. Uh, yeah, so we need three goals in our last five games to to beat or two to match. Do you do you fancy our chances? Due to the running, I think it's definitely possible. I think because we've got Palace, Burnley, Newcastle, all three will have nothing to play for. They're not great sides. Could well be on the beach. They put a lot of effort in Burnley and Newcastle in particular in these last couple of weeks. I think we could possibly do it. I think we could tie. I'd be, I'd be surprised. Yeah, if tie we... is, but that'd be my prediction. That'd be my prediction. Yeah, you, tie. You're taking the under on two and a half goals in the last five games. What, what an exciting season! Well, I'm just going to give some just very quick thoughts on on the Brighton game because, as, as we, you know, kind of said, there's drawing conclusions from it is not that meaningful. Um, and I, I did think the game as a whole, like the performance, was not really that different to like three quarters of all our other games this season. It's just. You know, we managed to score the first goal and that gave us the opportunity to defend pretty well for the rest of the game. We didn't create, I don't think, anything at all really for the rest I of the watched, game. Like I, thought, I watched the second half and I think we had one. I think we were in their area once from what I saw. Yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm very, you know, it was nice to win a game. I can't say very pleased just because emotional investment in this at the moment is obviously very low as we were just talking about. But yeah, uh, I Ben Osborne, really good performance. I thought he, um, I want to say he was playing on the right of a midfield three, but he was also playing absolutely everywhere. I mean, did you see? Yeah, him? I've watched the ten minute highlights, and he is popping up everywhere. Yeah, I mean, if, if anyone's not seen the the heat map that United tweeted, it's, mm. I mean, just look at that and tell me what position he was playing. He's, st- he, you know, he's he's on the right of a midfield three in the lineup, but he was he was everywhere. And yeah, the um, I caught up on the the last four blades podcast uh mm, the day actually which is really good episode one of their one of their better episodes i think um and yeah they had some uh, uh some good good words about osborne sort of i agree with everything they said about him to be fair i think for whatever you think about his technical but i've mentioned him on here loads of times that mm. i really like him i really like i think he's a we, we've said even last season we said 
you, there's no better substitute than Ben Osborne, which sounds like a, a, a massive back-ender compliment. But what I mean by that is you know what you're going to get. You know exactly you can trust him to do what you're asking him to do. He's not going to be able to perform miracles. We know what his, uh, his limitations are, but you know that you're going to get a shift out of him. And he's, he's a decent player as well. He's not mm-hmm. like, like I said before, he's not a, a hoofer who's just running around sort of. He, he does try and play the ball out. He's not the most gifted in that sense. He's certainly not the most creative, but you know what you're going to get from him. And I think every every decent side, well, every championship lower-end Premier League club needs someone like Osborne in the squad. Yeah, and particularly the performance levels of a lot of other players. Uh, yeah, I think he's been really lucky under Wilder not to play more last season. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it was good good to see him doing some uh, good things. I will say there were some, particularly in the first half, you know, there were some good, confident touches from uh, players who've not looked good for a while. So, you know, Ender mm. Stevens a couple of times, yeah. like, just sort of burst forward away from a couple of defenders. Fleck was doing it quite regularly as well. Yeah. Uh, McGoldrick with a fantastic bit of skill on the... Oh, uh, I loved it. The, the Sheffield so. United away video for that is worth watching. I don't know if you've seen I that have. yourself. Yeah, the reaction. Like, oh, it's like they scored. <laughs> <laughs> if I were watching that as a commentary watch along, I think, what's that? Did he score from halfway line? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so so happy for him to get another goal as well. I mean, what a yeah. great season he's having in you know in, yeah. in a terrible team. That's his seventh goal of the season in the um, in the league to go with one in the league cup as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I realize, my mate, just like I said, we're in the pub and we did aim to get home for the United game, but you know. Elvino did flow. <laughs> uh, and then my mate messaged me and he goes, uh, United are winning 1-0. Uh, I goes, oh, who scored? He goes, have a guess. It's like, it's got to be Didzy, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and who would have thought that this time last season? <laughs> yeah, I know. Lovely stuff from him. Uh, what else was it? Uh, yeah, I mean, so in that first half, it was nice seeing us, you know, put together these quite good attacks, but we had, the, the new manager has to give us a threat in the middle. We can't. Yeah. We can't just be doing this where every attack ends with a cross into a packed box because that's that is still essentially what we're doing. Even when we do look good on the ball, we just have. We might want no someone in this list to uh, sort of change that for us. <laughs> we might well do. Yeah, let, let me yeah. Move, let me move this along and we'll get into that. Yeah, I've got <laughs> one one final thought. I, I guess you've probably seen it on the highlights, but uh, moaning Mope with a, yes. a a delightful miss couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Kind did you see? Did you read the Brighton view from? I did. Yeah, they're not happy with him, are they? Do not like him at all, which I'm really surprised about. I only picked a couple of comments out. There were four or five basically saying he's not good enough for this level, and I was like, rub him out, even though we're going down. I'm like, yep, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll accept that. Yeah, he was uh, a player we were heavily linked with, and uh, and we signed McBurney instead, even though they're very different players. Mm. Mopey's done all right, I think. Like. You know, Brighton's aspirations. I was really surprised. I thought he were like one of the main danger men, to be honest, but clearly not. I think he's. I think his finishing has not been good, but he he gets into scoring positions a lot, and he can create a shot for himself, which yeah, almost zero of our entire squad can do this season, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Just, just one final word on Brighton. So they've played six games now against the bottom three, which is almost certainly going to be the three relegated teams. Six games. Mm. They haven't won a single one. And we, yeah. I mean, what were we, like 40 seconds away from winning at their place or doing the double over them, yeah. essentially? What well, a... one of their fans said, 24% of our points have come against Brighton this season. <laughs> yeah, and it should should be more like 30. So yeah. what, what a strange season they're having. I mean, anyone who's <clears throat> paying attention to football analytics Twitter, I suppose, has, mm. it's just become a, a running joke through the season how... 
how bad their finishing has been and how much they underperform expected goals every week. And, th- and this was no different, to be honest. But yeah, yeah it's, uh, it is freakish. It's almost like if, it, it, yeah, I don't know, if, if they had one good finisher there, who Mope theoretically should be, they'd probably be doing much better. But no, every every week goes by and they uh, have an unimpressive result and not a, not one that matches their performance. So they're still going to stay up, as they uh, always seem yeah. to do. But yeah, strange It's weird team. because on the forums, the rub is really cocky. And they're always talking about, oh, next season we'll be top 10. And even after this one, they were like, well, we'll never be a top 10 team if we carry on like that. It's like, whoa, roll back a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Just survive, because that's what you do every season. I'm not being, they've done better than us. I'm certainly not criticising them for a club of their size. It's fantastic what they're doing, really. But, I, you know, they, I think a lot of uh, delusions of grandeur, shall we say, of, uh, in terms of where they see themselves going. I mean, I could be wrong, but unless, I don't know. I think they're a way off the top 10. They spend a lot of money to finish 16th, mm. 17th every season. That's, you know, when yeah. you when you do the comp with us of our relative expenditure and wage bill and stuff, it's like, wow, look how much Brighton are having to spend just yeah. to tread water above the relegation zone. I mean, Again, it shows how good Burnley have been, I think, mm-hmm. under Dash. I can't remember the exact stat. Was it something like £30 million profit? Uh, sorry, uh, that's all he spent. Uh, what's the word? Don't know, mate. Tra- transfers? <laughs> What he's received and what he spent. Oh, the net spend. That's it, net spend. Sorry, yeah, um, yeah. The net spend has only been thirty million, I think, in the five years. That is insane, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. mad, mad scenes. Uh, one final thing before we move on. Uh, congrats to the Blades under twenty threes winning the professional development league North title yesterday. So, yes. Yeah, <laughs> You know, I think there's maybe been some cynical things said about the attention that's uh, being given to from the like the club's official accounts to under 23s doing well, but they're doing well. It's a good thing. Let's highlight it. It's it's fun to see, you know, a United team at any level um, putting in good performances and getting good results. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that was nice to see that clinch. It's yesterday. strange every time we have a terrible season, the U team seems to do really well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no. Um, what this doesn't mean is that they get promoted to like a next mm. division because that's for um, category one academies only, only which we don't have. But still, basically the uh, the cream of the crop in the uh, PDL North anyway. So yeah, yeah. good effort. Um, and yeah, maybe we'll see some of them in the first team next year or around the first team anyway, seeing as it yep. uh, doesn't look like it's going to happen this season, seeing as well, it just feels like that ship sailed, I suppose. You know, you probably expect yeah, it to happen. Yeah, maybe now their season's finished. Oh, that's true, yeah. I think they're, they're still in a, Are they still in a cup as well, the youth I cup? I think they're maybe? still in the cup as well, right. yeah, so maybe not. But, yeah, I, do, I hope we see a couple of them. I mean, I'll, I'll say I saw like, the last half hour of the game on uh, Saturday and you see Lundstrom coming on again and you're thinking, surely... That ship's massively sailed. <laughs> ship's <laughs> sailed, hit the iceberg and, and sunk. <laughs> Long gone. <laughs> yeah, captain's overboard, everyone's... Let's <laughs> <laughs> not get into your uh, knowledge of <laughs> yeah. jo- jobs on ships. That's, that's true, yeah, let's move, swiftly move on. <laughs> let's move on, yeah. Okay, so I made you very angry this week when I set you this yeah. challenge. I think I ruined your weekend, didn't I? You this, ruined uh... the weekend. I'm, 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 I'm already preparing the... the uh, at coming in to people like <laughs> say, why have you done this yeah this is this was difficult it was difficult it, it was an idea that occurred to me yeah over the weekend i thought oh that'll be a fun thing to talk about and i was like oh no what have i done <laughs> open, open pandora's box here so what, what we're gonna do in it we're gonna 
pick and rank the top 10 players of the Chris Wilder era. So this is a a, a little bit of a look back at, uh, I guess, four and a half glorious years under Wilder. Now, what what this is not is, is not necessarily the best players, like the most technically gifted players. I just want to lay this out for anyone who's listening. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're just in like the technically gifted players and you probably have Berger, maybe David Brooks would be like, you know, yeah. in, the, in the top five or something like that. It's also not based purely on things like how many goals they scored, how many games they've played, but you can use that sort of thing as like a tiebreaker or a, an arguing point if necessary, you know, if you were to... Well, I'll, I'll tell you how I've sort of done it. I've done it is in the sense of how different things would be if these players hadn't been there. How would okay. we have coped without them? Do you know what I mean? Yes, that's yeah, that's that's a fair, a fairly yeah, succinct way of putting it. Yeah, the the ones who've played the sort of ten most important roles across yes. the time that Wilder was in charge. So yeah, yeah, if someone did something amazing in just a few games, that would be outweighed by someone who was amazing for a longer period of time. Yeah, um, yeah. that's not to say that the short burst player shouldn't make the list, just that they'd probably go behind the player who did more. Over yeah, a longer yeah. period, um, and yeah, I thought this was an interesting exercise because you know I think a lot of a lot of times when people do their sort of best best of type things, it's a best eleven. So with mm. this, you don't have to fret on formation. You know, you don't have to have a goalkeeper, for example. And if you wanted to have five strikers in your list, you could absolutely do that and not worry about it. So, okay, are you ready? No, go on. <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's how I suggest we do this. I suggest we we settle on a ten. Right, and then we rank them afterwards. So we okay. so we get our list of ten, and then we will discuss who uh, how that how that ten shapes up. Right, I've got five players that I think are tappins that I don't even think merit discussion as to whether they're in the ten. Yeah, and I will rattle them off now, and you can shout if you have anything to say about them being in this list. Right. Or otherwise. So my, my tap-ins are Chris Basham, Jack O'Connell, <clears throat> John Fleck, Billy Sharp, and David McGoldrick. I would go in the, certainly in the top 10 list. I've got those. Okay. McGoldrick missed out on a several drafts, to be honest. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in the ranking. In my favourite player, this, this is why I don't want to do this. I'm just going to get <laughs> stick all the way through. I'd like to point out he is my favourite United player, but we'll come on to what I would think anyway later, but yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're, we're fine to have those five. We're, we're agreed yeah. those five are in the list then. So Basham yeah. O'Connell, Flex, Sharp, McGoldrick, all make the top ten. Mm, that's right for me. Give me then. I've got some long ranges where. Uh, so this is this is my other five that I have I've decided upon. But yeah, I could be talked into dropping one or more of these for someone else. And that's, go on, then. And that's what we're going to do now. I want I want you to go next. I want you to. Oh, give me, give me some more names. Mark Duffy. Yep. Paul Coots, John Egan, Oliver Norwood, and this is my big curveball. So get ready for this. I've gone Simon Moore. <laughs> wow. Okay, hang on. Uh, what did you say? They said Duffy, Coots, uh, Norwood, and Norwood, uh, Egan. Egan, Simon Moore. Okay, yes to Duffy. He's on my list. Yep. So we'll have him in as uh, as the sixth person on that list. Uh, yep. I also have Egan and Norwood. So we're agreed on those two. They can go in. Yeah. I don't have Paul Coots. Ooh, who'd you have instead of the... I'm obviously, I understand why I don't have more, but... <laughs> Make the case for Paul Coots first. 
obviously he was using our promotion to the championship, but I actually chose him because of his performances in the early part of that first championship season. I think he were our best player until he got injured. Everyone knows obviously the fallout and the everyone were gutted, weren't they? We beat Burton three one to go top of the league. And no one cared because Coots were that important to us. He got injured and sure enough we you know, we fell down the, the league. But we looked so at home at that level, I think, when we first came up. And I think we were all slightly nervous about who would cope up, you know, cope with a step up initially. I think Coop stepped up better than anyone in that first half of that season. I think it was his sort of performances. And he, he even captured on a few games where mm. he gave us that confidence that not only could we compete in the championship, but we were, could also challenge. We were top of the league when he broke his leg. I'm not saying we would have gone up. I think if Coop's would have stayed fit that season, I think we'd have got playoffs. I think he was that important to us. It is a strong case. And as I said, I, would, I had him on my my shortlist and then he dropped out my mm. <clears throat> I guess the reason I'd leave him out is because of the presence of someone we've just both unanimously decided and that's yeah. Norwood yeah because he did take us to that next level Norwood um as yeah. good as good as Coots was and as you said he was absolutely brilliant and he did play a key role in league one promotion as well lest we forget yeah yeah just... is there an argument to say that nor would simply replace Coots. Would Coots have played that role? If we'd have signed John Egan and Henderson and David McGoldrick and kept Coots, would that team have still gone up? The, the, the pre-injury Coots. Run that by me again. If we, Sorry, saying, if we, if we hadn't signed Norwood, you mean? If we hadn't signed Norwood, Coots would have stayed fit. Yeah. All the way through, playing like, as he was. And we'd have signed the players around him, Egan, Henderson and McGoldrick. Would that team, minus Norwood, but the old Coots being in, would that team have still gone up, in your opinion? Mm, I guess, yeah, but it, it probably would, I think. I mean, obviously no way of actually knowing that. I think, it, yeah, it has still been a very good team for sure. Mm. I just think, I don't know, I thought Norwood like really unlocked a lot of the team and the, you know, you look at the seasons that Baldock and Stevens ended up having in that promotion year because yeah, yeah, yeah. part largely because Norwood was there to like, well, just... don't get me wrong. I've got Norwood in my top five, to be honest. So, yeah, but that's, that's my case for not having coots anyway. Yeah. So we, we can come back to that. Let me, let me add a, a note to uh, revisit that one. So yeah. Simon Moore, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's deal with this one. Just bear with me. Yeah. <laughs> This signing was huge, I thought. We had one a game under Wilder before he mm-hmm. came in. And we'd have, we'd had six years of best League One keepers, didn't we? Like in the in the League One years. Yeah. And it might be hard to remember this now for a lot of people, but can you remember how much of a huge step up Moore was when he first came in? It was like, wow, we've got a real goalkeeper. We've got a proper goalkeeper. Yeah. Which sounds I mean, George Long were making mistakes all over the place, obviously, about Mark Harrow, it were it were all right, you know, uh, Simmonson, who everyone knows about. I think Moore were a huge step up on everyone we'd had since Paddy Kenny. I think he was massive for us. And I just think that he get in the same way that I think Coots gave us the confidence in the championship. I think once we got that goalkeeper position right, he gave confidence to the entire team. We've got a capable goalkeeper back here who can, you know, deal with things, which we didn't have under George Long. Everyone remembers that South End game. And it wasn't all George Long's fault, but it was quite clear that he was never going to recover from that as a Sheffield United player. If we hadn't assigned Simon Moore, I'd, I don't. I don't know if we'd have gone up in the League One season. I think it's that important. Mm, I, I don't disagree with how 
how much of a step up it was, but mm. uh, I don't know if it's... It doesn't feel that significant a to make this list anyway. Like his contribution, not that significant. It's fair enough. Like I said, I knew it's a curveball. It's out there. I just remember pre Simon Moore. I remember the early games of Simon Moore and everyone being so sort of almost relieved that we had a, a decent goalkeeper. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And he, yeah, he he did some uh, really good things for us. You know, was okay at Championship level. Certainly, but yeah. I, I think, you know, these are the... And he's still here. <laughs> he is still here, yeah. Good for him. Um, doing his kit, doing his kit. <laughs> yeah. Videos. What's, what's I going to say about more? Uh, I can't remember now, but... Yeah, I, I don't think he... I don't think he, he should make this list, though. I, I would have him behind a lot of other names we've not even said yet. I, I, I get the point. I thought you were going to say uh, James Wilson, the defender, actually, when you were talking about curveballs, as in... You know, no, he, he scored yeah. the winning goal of uh, the first win of the Wilder era, and yeah, <clears> I, I, I just like I say, we're more. It's, it's purely on one season, and I, like I say, it's, it, I probably I'll accept that he's not going to make this list, but I do think it were really important. I think he was mm. hugely important for for what came after, just giving us the confidence of having a go- good goalkeeper. Yeah, I think so. I agree with all that. I think for this exercise, um, I would have Henderson in it more ahead of more like not just because obviously he's a better goalkeeper but I think you can hold up what Henderson did across two seasons and, and at a higher level as well obviously yeah. um, to be more I think that's important. fair like I say you, you've ruined my day you've ruined my life <laughs> you've just yeah. anyway so yeah <laughs> right so there, there's okay so I'm, I'm so I should have said at the top I'm going to have the deciding vote on this cause... <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to omit okay. more <laughs> <laughs> Moore's, uh, Moore's a good case, but I'm omitting more. Um, so we've got we've got Egan. We both agreed on Egan. Yeah. Uh, who else did you say? Duffy. Duffy. Yeah. So we've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We've got eight. I'm going to give you my other two names uh, that are in place of Coots and Moore on your list. Right. One is Ender Stevens, which I'm yep. surprised doesn't make your list. Hmm. And uh, the other is George Baldock. So I, I'll be honest. I I ummed and ahed on number ten and for, on my own list, and in the end settled on Baldock. Uh, yeah, Stevens. I think he his sort of the the bright spots of Ender Stevens are really really high standard. Yeah. Like yeah, they, in the Premier League last season and in um, in the Championship in the promotion season. He was just a phenomenal player for those two years. And obviously, he was not part of the team in League One. But I do feel like he burned very brightly for quite a long period of time there. You know, his, his first season yeah. with us in the Championship had its, had its ups and downs. But that promotion season, he was excellent. And then, yeah, we've said it numerous, uh, numerous times, haven't we, that, um, you know, he was probably one of the best left wing backs in the entire Premier League. Yeah. Yeah. for yeah. Certainly up to the pandemic starting last season. Cannot go without mentioning that he has been really quite terrible for almost twelve months now. Like, you know, I want to be completely fair about this, and that that gave me pause. But I do, I still think he deserves a place on here for those previous two years. And yeah, the the attacking threat that he gave us down the left was just just huge. When you when you pair that with O'Connell going forward as well, I think we've seen it this season without O'Connell. Like, our left side has just been 
Do you remember for the first few months of the season, we just never attacked down the left? Yeah, yeah. Everything was down the right. And yeah, Yeah. I I think think in some ways he unlocks O'Connell as much as O'Connell unlocks him. So yeah, I think he's played a major role. Bulldog, as I say, he was my number 10. I think he's been much more consistent across his whole time with us, but without hitting the same kind of heights that um, Stevens hit. So I would say like, I'd say Stevens has had like nine nine out of ten, ten out of ten games. Bullock's been sort of a steady seven out of ten almost yeah. every single game since he joined, basically. Yeah. So that's why I have those two in my list. How do you feel about that? My argument against Bulldog, and he's he's amazing, don't get me wrong. He, again, one of my favourite players, but I think we possibly still achieve promotion with Kieran Freeman in the team mm, in that show. season. Uh, I don't get me wrong. I think he, I think his best season was last year, actually, uh, last season. All dogs. I think his first season he was sort of in and out, weren't he, due to injuries. He couldn't. It was, it's weird now when you think about it. But up until probably December in the promotion season to the Premier League, I'd say Kieran Freeman was still seen as the first choice. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Baldock made his debut against Wednesday, right in the four-two. Yeah, which was... well, I think I think it was debut. Yeah, it was one of his early his games. First start, maybe. So it was late September that. But even the season after that. Freeman was the the main man, really. You know, mm. Freeman was the was was still seen as the first choice, right? Right wing back, and that's the reason. Don't get me wrong; these both of these players are unbelievable, and it, it's it feels wrong sort of trying to find weak points, if you know what I mean, just for for the sake of entertainment. But I think that yeah, for me, I think we could have. As I said, I've looked at it as in if these players weren't there, what would have happened? Mm. I think we could have probably got by. With I don't know, I think Baldock's better than Freeman, but I think we could we could have probably got by with Freeman above Baldock that season. We got promoted. I think Baldock's had one and a half unbelievable years with us. Hmm. Um, I think that's the latter half of the Championship season and the full Premier League season. You've got to remember that, like I say, when he first the first he played well when he first came in, but he wasn't even a regular. So I don't think I can have him in this top ten. That's interesting. I. You're talking me into that one. That's a really, that's a good shorthand. Actually, I probably should have said that right at the top. The uh, how would we have done without this player? Yeah, um, which I, w- I would use as my thing for saying Simon Moore as well. Because I, I, again, that was like a, you know, that was a a big deal getting a competent goalkeeper. Better than competent. That sounds sounds harsh, but you know what I mean. Go my from- only in favour of the George Long- uh, the uh, Simon Moore thing is would that League One team have gone up with George Long in goal? Probably not, but I think you know any of like another twenty goalkeepers that were available. That's, that's, fair. Sort of that's fair. We just we just happen to have loads of bad goalkeepers. Yeah, so, yeah. Whereas I guess with, with Baldock, I think, we had a good well, like I said, with more, he probably got overrated when he first came in because of how he was just like, this is a normal goalkeeper. He doesn't have any major like <laughs> clear faults in him. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I feel I feel like I'm bad mouthing Simon Moore, which. Uh, <clears throat> Anyone who's listened to us regularly knows that we don't tend to do that because no. I'm very grateful for everything that he has uh, done for us. And I'll end the, end the Stevens with my number 11 choice. He, he were in and out of this this mm. list. The reason I didn't go for him in the end is because I think in his first championship season, he was up and down. I think he ended that season really poorly, the mm. first champion. I know you and uh, you and Ben, sorry, you and Jay were um, end of defenders, weren't you, part of the end of defenders club? Mm. Uh, and I was, don't get me wrong, I don't think he was, but I if you remember the end of that first championship season, I think most people have said he's the weak link 
of that team. We, we need to change. You know, we need to get a better left wing back in. And then he obviously massively improved the season after. And in the Premier League season, he, he just went levels beyond anyone could ever imagined. Yeah. The reason I didn't have him is I don't think he's been as consistent as long as certain other players who I've got in this list, including Paul Coots, who I think... Uh, don't get me wrong, Coots only had a season and a half of like incredibleness, but that was only, that was cut short purely due to injury. I, I don't think his performances would have dropped off. I think he was... He, he left at the top of his game, whereas there's no doubt Stevens' reputation has been, in my in my eyes, unfortunately, has been tarnished a little bit by this season. Mm. Yeah, that's a good shout. Um, so I'm just thinking here. Then we have we have two spots available. Well, let, let me run through a couple of names we've not mentioned yet, or um, we've only sort of lightly touched on, I suppose. Kieran Freeman did. Did have some yep. consideration for me. Uh, yeah, it did. It for me. You know, a, a right wing back scoring ten goals in uh, in League One in a promotion season, and you know, really, uh, I think opening. I mean, you have to wonder: would that, uh, you know, would that wing back system, the the back yeah. three, would that have been such a cornerstone for us if we didn't have Kieran Freeman? If we'd had, and I fully remember Kieran Freeman getting injured in the Championship season, and everyone being, "Oh no!" Yeah, you know, he was that important to us. He was a massive player for us, and I even remember him coming back and scoring against Bristol City in the last game of the season. Oh yeah, and I remember people saying, "That's that's what he can give us." What what Baldock doesn't. Yeah. That goal scoring threat because we all know, you know, the the weak point of George Baldock's games in the final third. Kieran Freeman was the absolute opposite. When we were having to, def- I think Kieran Freeman would have got destroyed in the Premier League defensively, personally. But in League One, where we had all the possession and all the ball and all the attacks, I'd have preferred Freeman in that team to Baldock. Mm. And yeah, this is a an un- unknowable question, I suppose. But yeah, it's it, say we'd had um, <clears throat> you know the right the right footed equivalent of Daniel Lafferty on the right wing, for mm. example. You know, Lafferty, perfectly serviceable left wing back, yeah. did really well uh, in that season. He's another one. It's a bit like Simon Moore. Another mm-hmm. position that struggled in. We had Chris Hussey there, didn't we? And yeah. then even Jack O'Connell played, which sounds mad <clears> now, but like left wing back. At, and we, they were another problem area on Lafferty. A bit like Moore, safe pair of hands, right that bit, so the team sorted, let's move on. Mm. So, yeah, my, my thing with Freeman is if we had, you know, the equivalent of Lafferty on the, on the right wing, does... You know, does that three five two be so successful in that season? And I don't yeah. think so. Yeah, so you know, he, he might have played. I, I'm, I'm probably reaching far too much here, but he might have played a much bigger role than we kind of appreciate, I guess, in in founding these four great seasons of Wilder um, uh, of Wilder's team. But yeah, I had him as a, a consideration. I, I I couldn't pick him ahead of Baldock in all in all seriousness, but. He was still mm. on my list, and obviously the uh, the point of this exercise: if I want two right wing backs, could I have two right wing backs? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I declined. Uh, player we haven't mentioned, Jake Wright. Yeah, he's another one who I didn't have him purely because he was uh, he obviously never lost, so I should have him. Yeah, I just it was a leader that we needed at that particular moment. I felt. Mm. Um, in the sense that we were leaking goals all over in the early one in the League One days. We'll come on to O'Connell later. He was pretty poor in those early games. Mm. Uh, really poor in those early games. It took him a while to get going. I think he really brought everything together in the same way, again, a bit like Simon Moore in the sense, and, and Daniel Lafferty, in the sense that no frills, but just a steady eddy that you needed there. Jay Wright, is, 
I'm sort of fascinated by the idea of Jake Wright because, like, <laughs> he's. I, I just well for starters, I, I won't be able to recognise him in the street. I have no uh, idea what Jake Wright looks like, despite <laughs> having a season ticket for uh, all the years that Wilder was manager. I suppose. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I really couldn't pick him out of a lineup. But uh, you know, fun fact about Jake Wright before I forget. Do you know how many goals he scored in his senior career? It's like one or something. None. <laughs> He's literally never scored. I knew <laughs> He's it was really He's at Mansfield Town right now. Yeah, and he's probably played like 600 games in his career or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's sort of, I don't know, and I have very few, I mean, I definitely remember a couple of like really good bits of defending that he did and stuff, but he was just like, he was just somebody that was always there when we were doing well. And I knew that he was a part of that, but it it wasn't like O'Connell or Basham or Egan, where it's like great bit of defending, you know, he's just... Stuck his head in there, or you and, know. Don't forget his early performances in the champion. I think when he came in the championship, we were all a little bit worried. Obviously, Stephen with the first choice at centre half, and mm. you know, Jake Wright. He's never played above League One. You know, that's what I mean? true. But, yeah. And I remember him in that in the derby against Wednesday, just cool as cool, cool, cool as customer on the pitch. And uh, what did we, we took him off, and then they equalised, didn't we? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah that's what happens. You take Jake Wright off. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not not in uh, serious contention for a top ten for yeah. me, but. Um, a name worth mentioning, I thought. Dean Henderson, we've very yeah. lightly mentioned. My... He's another one who I feel so bad not having him in my turn, especially when I've got Simon Moore. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I didn't pick Simon Moore is because I do think that that, I think, that Jamal Blackman, the season before Henderson came in, was a massive fan's favourite, if you remember. Mm-hmm. I remember people being so disappointed when we signed Henderson because they all want a Blackman back. Which just sounds ridiculous now, but at the time that, that's, that's what happened. I I I don't know if that if we get promoted with Blackman in goal. I think we'll come on no, to him. I think John Egan were bigger than Dean Anderson, which is the reason I didn't pick Dean Anderson. That's uh, that's a a good argument. Um, yeah, I I, th- I guess if I was doing an eleven, then there's there's no debate in my mind oh, that yeah. he, he yeah, would yeah. be the goalkeeper. And yeah, uh, yeah he, he was outstanding for both seasons. I mean, obviously played behind a brilliant defence last season. Um, yeah, which yeah. which protected him far better than uh, we've protected Aaron Ramsdale this season. But yeah. at the same time, Henderson made some huge saves in that first Premier League season. And you know the mistakes. There were a couple of them, obviously, like the um, yeah. the uh, Liverpool one at home, for example. But yeah, Villa away as well. Yeah. yeah. But what you were, the best thing about Anderson, we've said this many a time, is how he bounced back from every mistake. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he didn't do a George. We'll talk about George Long earlier. He, he would sort of. I don't think he could have ever played at Bramall Lane again after that South End game because his confidence had gone, and you just know that that would probably never happen to Anderson. Yeah, if, if anything, and I sort of felt this about the team generally a lot during Wilder. When we when we were bad, I was really confident that we would be good again immediately. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah, he embodied that as well. I was almost like, yeah, I, I, I sort of, I think certainly after the, no, I don't know, I, I, yeah, every time he made a mistake, I was like, well, I know he's going to be good now for the next ten games. So it was almost there was like a crumb of comfort in the fact he'd made a mistake almost, but yeah, not, um, not quite significant enough to make the top ten for me. Obviously, only yeah. here for two seasons. As I said, we did protect him really well in the mm. uh, in the Premier League as well. But uh, he's doing well for himself in real life, never mind yeah. on this list. Um, who else? 
We're not mentioning him yet. Leon Clark. Ah, yes, I was hoping you were going to mention the main man. How could I not? <laughs> he, he initially was on my first draft, and then yeah. I thought, mm, possibly not, actually. Do you want to, do you want to say why, why he's in contention but not on your list? I think he burned brightly for a fairly brief moment of time for me. I think he ended that League One season fantastically. With 10 goals in nine games or something like that, nine goals in eight or whatever. In the, and then, obviously, we all know his exploits in the in the championship. got in the player, the, the championship team of the year. Yeah. And then, even as early as, like, the fourth or fifth game of the season after, we're out of the team. I think he sort of had this sort of spell that I don't think we'll ever see again from a sort of... The, the definition of a, of a journeyman player becoming the most explosive striker in the championship and I think that's, that was the case at the time I don't think it I mean, was. Was, was, his all round game was fantastic as well at that point I, you're looking at this guy thinking what what's Wilder done yeah yeah and it wasn't just like a, uh, you know it, it wasn't a sort of uh, fluky run of form that you see from strikers occasionally around the leagues no. is it? where someone just happens to score like uh, you know four in two games or something and yeah, yeah, yeah. he you know, he was. I think he pulled off something that like has not happened since Keith Edwards. It's, what was it? Back to back hat tricks at Bramall Lane, something like yeah, that. Yeah, four yeah. against Hull. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. And like I say, his all round game in this period was brilliant. His chasing down, his Harriet. Mm. You were an absolute menace for defending. I remember we, when we beat Leeds away, he didn't score in that one, funnily enough. And I were on Owls talk. I used to like going on Owls talk when we won. And their fans were just saying why did he never do this for us? Where's this guy been? They were all like furious that this guy, they were all laughing at, understandably, in fairness to Wednesday fans, laughing at well, Leon Clark in the championships. I don't think any of us thought he were ever going to do anything. And then no. he just turned into this, like, the, the if you had to, if you were 21 years old playing like that, he'd have been snapped up in that January. He nearly was, weren't he? Villa came in for him, apparently, didn't they? Yeah, allegedly, yeah. And he was, yeah, that's a good point about not, he wasn't our starting... Oh, he started the season, but then he got sent off, didn't he, against Barnsley? Yeah, I think um, we hope... Who did we bring in as a striker that season? Donaldson. Donaldson. I think it was Donaldson and Billy Sharp were sort of, right, they'll be our front two. And Leon just surpassed them both that year. Yeah, he, he went uh, He went ballistic for a while. And obviously... <laughs> um... My, my, my uh, overriding memory, me and my mate always say it, actually. Liam, I do mainly podcast with is uh, when he scored the fourth against Hull, someone just said... Like on the carpet, or whatever, said, uh, behave, Leon. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Behave. That was good. But yeah, I mean, you know, how many how many years of United matches am I going to go to before I see one player score four goals in red and white? I mean, yeah. might, it might not happen again. So, one yeah. of those things when he got the fourth, he's sort of cheering and laughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, I, I went mad because just... Yeah, I was definitely laughing. Yeah, just did a sort yeah. of, that's ridiculous. How my mate, when he messaged me, he just messaged and said, what have you done to Leon Clark? <laughs> I don't know, mate. <laughs> and of course, he scored those two goals at Hillsborough, which yes. definitely... He, they they were his first two of the season. Yeah, I think you're right, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, because they've been out of the team a little bit. So those, those are my other contenders um, to go in this top ten. Is anyone we've not mentioned... I don't think so. I think I think we've covered all the, the, the big players there that were realistically contenders. I can't think of any off the top of my head anyway that, that yeah. I've not written any down. I can't think of any more. Yeah, we should. Brooks yeah. is what the people might shout out, but I don't think he was important as such. 
Maybe you could say that selling him. Someone mentioned actually in the comments when you said we were doing this pod, Calvert Lewin, even Ramsdale could be yeah. classed as important due to the money they raised to help us put this team together. Yeah, it's a good a good galaxy brain answer that one. Yeah. But, uh, it's, it's, it's not going to fly in the uh, the purpose of this exercise, no. I'm afraid. Right, so we have, we have, it's decision time. We need to oh. decide on these last two. And unless I've uh, misremembered, we need to boil three players down to... to boil three yeah. players, it sounds a bit... It's a bit ominous. We need to distill. Oh, I'm just. Uh, I was going to say distill them, which is largely the same thing. We need to di- make three players into two here out of Bulldog yeah. Stevens and Paul Coots. Yeah. Which one of those is not going to make the list? If you I had- think Bulldog personally. So your counter argument with Bulldog was: Would we have done just as well with another right back there in the promotion season, not in the Premier League? Yeah. So I, and I think Coots were more important in the sense that we got promoted with Coots and then stormed the league when Coots were fit. It's very compelling. I think on the basis that Baldock was a on right on the cusp of my top ten, and I'm rewarding him more for his consistency than perhaps uh, you know the the the, the kind of uh, high level importance that he had. I think you can talk me into that one. You've made the right decision. Yeah, I think, my, I think the last two entrants on this list are Ender Stevens. You've got absolutely Lynch if you're not a Coots because there's a there's a Coots, there's a Coots cult fan base out there. So. <laughs> there is. Let me just count and make sure I've definitely got ten. Otherwise, that will undermine everything somewhat. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Great stuff. Yeah, the first time I did this list, I was like, yeah, really happy with that. Looked at it again, realized I've got eleven players. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate. I mean, like I say, this. this there's people in there who we've mentioned who were in my draft. Stevens and Bollock were both in my drafts. Freeman even at one point, I thought, he scored 11 goals, wherever it was from, you know. So, mm. really difficult. I thought we were just going to pick like 10 good players and that were it. <laughs> <laughs> no, much more, much more thought required. Right, let's take a very quick break, mate, and then we're going to rank that 10, 1 to 10, and determine the most important player of the Chris Wilder era after this break. Quick break to tell you about Glistening Kicks, the sponsor of this podcast and a Sheffield-based business delivering high-end cleaning, restoration and weather treatment services for shoes, sneakers and trainers. I was very excited to see them open their first ever shop last week too. Absolutely amazing stuff from the team there. A real pleasure seeing them go from strength to strength. So let me tell you a bit about Glistening Kicks and what they do. They can remove loose dirt and debris, give deep clean to laces, shoes and midsoles can also touch up any scuffs or imperfections. If you're looking for a full repaint due to damage or general wear and tear, they can take care of that for you too. As well as their new Sheffield store, Glistening kicks off a local collection and return in the city and the surrounding areas, including Rotherham, Barnsley, Chesterfield and other locations in South Yorkshire and Derbyshire. They also do nationwide shipping via their safe, fast and reliable courier service. So you can be sure your footwear is in the best possible hands Save yourself from spending on a brand new pair. Give your existing kicks the treatment they deserve instead. Head to glisteningkicks.co.uk and book your service today. That's glisteningkicks.co.uk. Plus, follow them on Instagram at glistening underscore kicks for a closer look at the great work they do in making shoes and trainers look their best. Now back to the podcast. And we're back, and it's tr- it's time to rank this list of 10 players so I'm just going to give you the list again just as a reminder 
They are Chris Basham, Jack O'Connell, John Fleck, Billy Sharp, David McGoldrick, Mark Duffy, John Egan, Ollie Norwood, Ender Stevens, Paul Coots. What a lineup that is. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that, to be honest, considering, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, considering how bad I feel for leaving out some of the other players. So, we've obviously... We've not really mentioned players who I think are more likely to gravitate towards the top of this list, so we'll get to those in due course. I think I think it makes sense to go in reverse order here. And, yeah, and, I think I agree. Yeah. And start with our number 10, and we're going to, I guess, probably carry on a little bit from where we just were. Out of those 10, who who do you think slots in at number 10? I have to say Ender Stevens because he didn't make it's my gonna, first draft. So it's going to be between, and I probably should say Coop's, by, yeah. vir- by virtue of the same thing, I guess. So we need to decide why one of these should be 10 and one of them should be 9. I think, I think we're probably pretty happy those are 9 and 10, is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's fine by me, yeah. Uh, yeah, th- it's really difficult because you, you, you're right about... I, I've probably got a bit of recency bias against Stevens, to be no, completely I mean, it's not like a three-game sample, is it? we we are genuinely talking basically a year yeah. of football now of him being below par. I, I suppose you could argue that Stevens had a role. This is so harsh. Had a role in Wilder going, whereas Coots didn't. <laughs> I know. I know. Get that I know. clipped and tweeted. I know. Yeah, I know. Never, never mind. It's all Ender Stevens' fault. Never That's mind John Lundstrom. It's actually <laughs> Ender's fault. I just, I don't know. Coots never had the chance. I mean, obviously, Coots came back and he was nowhere near the same player, but he never really had the chance to do what Stevens has done. Mm. But by the but Stevens did play at a higher level. He did. And, uh, yeah, arguably played at a higher level as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can I, can I in good conscience, put Stevens ahead of Paul Coots? And, oh, I don't know. I'm really struggling on that one. The, like I said, the thing I come back to with Coots is Norwood surpassed him. So yeah. uh, I don't know. I just I feel like in a for the purposes of a ranking that bumps him down the list a little bit for me. Whereas we haven't had anyone in this era that's been like Ender Stevens at left wing. That's fair. That, yeah, I wonder if we could have replaced that. For the budget we had, we probably couldn't have replaced Evans mm. in those two seasons. And he played a huge role in getting us promoted to the Premier League. Literally, with his goals, yeah. Yeah, and a top 10 finish last I'll, season. I'll, I'm happy to put Coots at 10. I feel more comfortable doing that, given that it was a year and a half of Coots and... You know, yeah, Stevens, that's fair enough. Yeah. Stevens with more he was played a position that allowed him to score more goals, but he was still essentially a defender who played like an attacker. Um so yeah. okay, I'm I'm not gonna litigate that one any further. I'm I'm glad to reach an accord there, particularly that's one fine. one where you agree with me, that's always nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, somebody did say the other week, didn't we, that we well, I mean people say this all the time, that we agree on everything, which I guess is is natural. Um but yeah, yeah. this is uh Probably the first time we're going to be in opposition for some yeah, of these. Yeah, this is the end of the partnership. <laughs> yeah, the end of the beautiful <laughs> friendship. Who Who's next off the board in number eight, in your opinion? This is difficult again. I think Egan. Let me just see. Yeah, I can go... I, I'm going to agree with you there, because I had Egan... I actually had Egan ninth on my list originally. Yeah. Um, 
Do you, yeah. Go on, let's say... We're ninth on mine as well, so... Okay. Um, so he's actually gone up a place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he's a huge step up from Stearman. I think we let a lot in a pog. I've, I've picked him ahead of Henderson, basically, because obviously our defensive record massively improved the season after, the second season in the Championship, and then obviously carried on into the Premier League. And I think it would basically... Him and Henderson both obviously added to that, and I was sort of trying to pick like, who was the most important out of those two. Mm. I think Egan was slightly more important than Henderson. I thought we were mm-hmm. a soft touch. Do you remember how many goals you let in off set pieces? Yes. Before Egan came in, it was like literally every week another set piece, another goal. Here we go. It was like, like this season, um, <laughs> and I think he, he, he was like he was just like a, I don't know, like a, that that sort of no nonsense centre half that we lacked. Because Stephen were decent, decent Championship player, probably lower end Championship to be fair. I think Egan just took us to that next level in in yeah. the defensive category. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I just want to frame this conversation correctly because here we're talking about. We're kind of doing who's the who's the worst of the remaining players here, aren't we? Yeah, it's almost yeah. the exercise, but but actually, we're saying this is this guy deserves to be in the the top eight of the best players from yeah. the best time in the best seasons in my watching lifetime, and and his yeah, value's arguably tripled since you bought him. Yeah, well, I was just about to mention the so we paid four million for him, which was a lot at the time. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It's, it's not now. Transfer fees exploded, I guess, over yeah. a couple of seasons. But for United to suddenly chuck four million at a centre back was, the, was most, a... the, the highest uh, transfer at the time, weren't they? Like, our, sorry, our biggest ever transfer. I think that's right. Yeah, it's more than. Uh, who was it before that? Was it Beatty? It was Beatty at four million. Yeah. But I remember when when we signed him, United sort of promoted. Mm, said it was a record. The, this is the record signing. So yeah, we're a big big deal. Uh, and he. I mean, he, he wasn't amazing in the first couple of games. He got sort no. of bullied at Borough, didn't he, that, that yeah, first away game? Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, you know, pretty immediately it was like, oh, wow, you can see why we spent £4 million on this guy. Like, he, he mm. is much better than any central centre-back we had before. Who were we? So, who were we? Can you remember who we were playing in the middle the season before? Was it Stearman? Stearman and then Jake Wright as well. Because Stearman had a lot of injuries, but it was Stearman and Jake Wright. That's right, yeah. And um, Stearman was fine. obviously played a couple as well, didn't they? Yeah, I think he... Yeah, you're right, he did, yeah. And Stearman was absolutely fine um, at championship level, but it was like, a, this is an air... You know, we've got the two wide centre-backs sorted. We need an upgrade in the middle if we're going to take that next step. And he was... Yeah, he was phenomenal, wasn't he? And I think he was... Yeah. I think it was really good first season in the Premier League, and I think he's been one of our more consistent performers. I think terrible... he's one of the probably three players who can come out of this season. Maybe, maybe, yeah, probably three actually who can say I wasn't terrible. No, maybe yeah. I four. I'll say four. But anyway, I'll come on to the others in a bit. <laughs> yeah, and if you want to bring the sort of romantic side of it into it, then you know the whole uh, writing the song after promotion. Yeah, and... yeah. Yeah, he's, he's indelibly linked with this period of time. Um, but yeah, I am pretty comfortable slotting him in there at number eight, I think. Yeah. My number seven then. So let's just look at the players who are left. And this does get tricky now. I'm going to yeah. suggest... Who am I going to suggest? I'm going to suggest Oli Norwood for number seven. I went with Goldrick, which... Okay. For for no sort of fault of his own, <laughs> he missed out on a couple of drafts because he scored fifteen and got Player of the Year. But the year we went out, hugely important. Certainly, you know, I don't think he transformed the team or anything like that. But it was just a massive bonus to have mm. 
such a quality striker for free as well. My reason I had him a bit lower down is because of his goal record last season. I think if he'd have scored the amount of goals this season he did last season, we'd have probably we could have even been in the Champions League. <laughs> and, and I know you don't. I know you get. That's not like I said before. He's my favourite United player. I love watching him play. Brilliant. I'm sort of trying to do this sort of in a um, no holds barred, if you like. Sort of. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and like pick faults. Is that? His goals this season have come in a wasted season, if you know what I mean. Mm. I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, without him, we'd be looking at Derby's tally, and I'm, it's not his fault. But I think he loses points for me purely because last season he got two goals, which for a striker, yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. The the player of the season thing was obviously amazing. Um, yeah. How, yeah there, was a, there was a really good phrase you used there. It was like a... Like a bonus, almost his performances mm. that season, and he yeah, did start, did, and he did start the team. Yeah, he did start, didn't he? Him and Leon weren't it from? Yeah, but he was, you know, he, he had a very inconsistent start, didn't he? And it was only yeah. sort of around December. I think Christmas. He... I think that goal against Derby gave him loads of confidence. Yeah, and he. I'm trying to think when he followed that. He went on a little bit of a, a tear, didn't he? After that. He, he um, took us up by the end because Sharp were injured, obviously, and then he just started banging him in, didn't he? So. Yeah, scored some scored some massive goals, at, you know, against Brentford in, when we were down to ten men and um, mm. Hull away, obviously, and the uh, yeah. the one that virtually clinched it. I think again, this is difficult to know, but how if we'd had a striker who'd been slightly more prolific last, like a better finisher last season yeah. up front. Would we have lost something through the fact that he was so good at joining everything else together? This is the or... enigma of David McGoldrick. Yeah, and I guess I guess we've discussed this. We've probably discussed this at length. Um, I think that's a good point about you know it, his goals this season are in a lost season. Obviously, that's not totally his fault that it's a lost season. No, as you said, I think it he's would been be... our best player again. I mean, this is why you could argue he should be higher. Is that? I think he'll probably win player of the season again, and that's going to be two out of three for him. Mm. So we're doing here the most important players. I think if it was the best players, I think he makes my, best as in like technically the best. I yeah. think he's he probably makes my top three. Yeah, I, I mean that, that was you know one of the things I felt again watching the the Brighton game. It's just like we we don't have anyone else like McGoldrick right now no. and, at, at any position almost. You know just so confident on the ball like almost every single week he looks Premier League quality do you know what I'm going to disagree with myself here because I think I think he should be higher because last season when he didn't play we lost so much and we mentioned it so many times on this pod Mm. and I do think we were a different team without him and I think I think I've probably gone a bit too low actually well let's look at the other side of the coin then because I think are we is, is it fair to say you're you're it's either McGoldrick or Norwood for number seven. I had Norwood fifth, actually. I had, I had Norwood above Duffer. Um, okay. Norwood, for me, he's, he's obviously arguably tarnished his reputation a bit this season. But I don't think we... We don't get promoted without Norwood. If you think about when Coombs got injured, yeah. we just lost the plot, didn't we, really? We were top of the league. We finished 10th. Lundstrom couldn't fill the void. Mm. Lee Evans couldn't fill the void. Leonard couldn't get us back on track. You were like, well, that's it. Can you remember the the sort of once Coops is back, we're all right. You know what I mean? And then he, obviously, he never good job we bought now because he never came back the same. Norwood just like, but like a switch had just gone off as soon as we bought. I think he's the most important signing that Wilder that's made. Such a good case that you've made there. I, I think uh, I think I've gone too low 
Mm, this is gonna get to this. This is gonna get tricky now. Um, yeah. I think. I might... think he's the most important signing we make. We don't, in my opinion, we just definitely do not get promotion that season without Norwood. I don't think there's anybody we could have afforded at that level to do what he did. Yeah, I mean, the, the amount we paid for him was absolutely ridiculous. In, in, yeah, in, and I mean, even, even at the time, it felt ridiculous. I'm not going to be an hypocrite because I've sort of like gone against Stevens for his performances this season. I think Norwood's level is championship. Don't get me wrong. I think I think that's sort of been proven this season, even a couple of games last season. But I think Norwood's in the top three or four main reasons we're in that division at all. Yeah, that's a really good shout. Um, yeah, you, you've convinced me there. I, as much as it pains me, I think I'm going to go with McGoldrick at seven. Then, so that was that was what you had, wasn't it? Or yeah, that's right. In, in yeah. That area, yeah, yeah. Okay, so then we move on to the the next two that you've mentioned there. Duffy and uh, McGoldrick. So actually, this excuse me, Duffy and Norwood. Mm. So we're not we're not too far apart here. My my ranking had Duffy ahead of Norwood though for similar reasons mm. to what we just said about Norwood. And this is going to be really hard to separate these two. Actually, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look how much we lack a creative player. And I'm not saying Mark Duffy would have been the answer. I mean, look, he he, he barely got into Fleetwood's team yeah. after. Uh, after going there, after being exiled by United, yeah. essentially, and you know, going around the houses, at, where was he? he? Was Stoke, and then he went to Pardew's Den Haag, didn't he? In, uh, in the <laughs> Netherlands. But oh my God, the difference he made to us in League One, and then in the Championship. And I think the only, I don't know, I guess the only thing that maybe would bump him down the list a bit is he didn't play all the time. That's what I've got down he, as why he's not above normal for me is simply because he was, he wasn't in and out of the team. I think that's a bit unfair, but there were a lot of games where he didn't play leads away. He, he were benched for yeah, that. Yeah, and I, I, I don't, I can't honestly say that I think that was the right thing to do because particularly no. if you remember at the end of the promotion season, he suddenly got back in the team and. It was like, oh yeah, now I remember. Duffy's amazing, and yeah, <laughs> he basically I mean, the, guy, the guys on the uh, Tufty Club podcast, uh, I think it were Mark who said that uh, he thinks he was really inconsistent. He thinks he's overrated. So I don't think it's as clear cut as people may think. That everyone loves Duffy for for various reasons. There were a few games where it didn't work out for him, but I, for me personally, he was he wasn't the most consistent player, but he was the most. He was involved in pretty much every moment in our brilliant pre-Premier League days. He had a major part to play. You look at the goal against Ipswich, where he threads it through for Stephen uh, O'Connell, sorry, mm-hmm. you know where Hogan scores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Obviously, the Wednesday goal, um, the, the Rotherham goal, where he scores from miles out, the brilliant goal against Red. It was, it was just different to everyone. I've never seen a player like that at Sheffield United in the sense that he, he almost had this free role, really intelligent, like the positions he got into. And yeah, he didn't always come off for him and stuff. But you're thinking, like, how is this guy not played at this level? Yeah. <laughs> because he was so skillful, a bit like McGoldrick. As we see McGoldrick in the Premier League, you're thinking, why is this guy not being picked up before in the Premier League? Duffy in the Championship for those two seasons were just what? Where have you been? <laughs> yeah. No, he, he was. Uh, he was absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to look up how many games he um, he played in the Championship now. Actually, so what season was that? Was that? What was it seventeen, eighteen, and then eighteen, nineteen? Mm. Wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, come on, load up. Uh, yeah. So he uh, played in thirty-six, but um, 
some of those yeah. would be off the bench. And I guess, yeah, the other thing was there was that, that infamous thing of like, it's almost like it's Duffy time. Like he has to come off now. You know, he's played, oh, he's played yeah. 70 yeah. minutes or something like that. I mean, what was he? He would have been like 30 at this point. And I guess maybe this was a reason why he was available to us as well. Is because he Wilder trusted him as much as the fans did. I think that's I think that's fair to say. I don't think they were a massive sort of bust or I maybe mean, there was obviously by the end, but I don't I got the feeling that I, Wilder preferred someone like Lundstrom in, in in the sense that he knew that he'd get that hundred mile an hour sort of running. Yeah. I I think I thought you got that with Duffy personally, but there were definitely I think a bit of a lack of trust there with Wilder and Duffy. I think that's a really good shout, yeah. Uh let me just do some quick maths here. Yeah, so he he played two thousand, uh, roughly two thousand five hundred minutes in uh, the championship that first season, which is seventy minutes oh. per appearance at thirty six games. Which that sounds about right, doesn't it? You know, he yeah. get, gets yeah. to 68, 69 minutes and uh, yeah. then gets the hook. Um, I remember people complaining at the time because people were saying if Wilder's right and he's he, he is not fit enough to to go past that mark. And I know Duffy came out and said that he felt that was wrong from Wilder. He thought he was fit enough. Mm. People did hold that against Duffy and said, "Well, get fitter." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. At he the same time, minutes. At the same time, I really do hope we find the next Mark Duffy uh, this summer because um, oh, yeah. as I said at the top we, we we can't we just can't keep having our attacks end with a cross from the wing into a pack oh. box like I said we we have to at least pose a threat in the middle that might make defences shift about a little bit um, but yeah I mean you know the the value what's the value of that goal he scores at Hillsborough I mean how 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 important is that to this exercise that we're doing here? It's just one yeah. goal. It's just three points, but it's a huge sliding doors moment as well, isn't it? it? Massive and... sliding doors. I, I actually saw a Wednesday fan on, I think, on Twitter saying that it, oh, it wasn't. Why did they go mad about this four two? It wasn't even a big game. It's like that changed everything. Whether you are going to admit it to yourself or nothing, uh, or not, should I say? Because. Yeah. Uh, that was huge. That 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 one game we've talked about. It, we've done a pod on it, obviously. That's when Wednesday's confidence completely lost, and ours completely went the other way. And that was the reason we overtook him. Definitely that game. If Wednesday win that three two, I think we go on a bit of a slide after that. Yeah. Well, we we essentially went from you know newly promoted team, uh, you know, just hoping to survive to mm. being a promotion challenger within you know yeah. a month. We went essentially. a couple of weeks after and beat them. You know, they were. We, we just that gave us so much confidence. Even for as you said, for the next season we weren't thinking, right, another season of consolidation, we're like, right, we finished tenth, come on. Yeah, let's play push for the playoffs, playoffs. yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas Wednesday had you know, they'd had a few seasons of getting to the playoffs or thereabouts and they've been absolutely dogged it ever since they've really. Never recovered from it. And I I I will so the day I die say that game was a huge reason to Wednesday's misfortunes right now. It's it's a so tempting to do that, isn't it? That yeah. <laughs> beautiful narrative simplification on yeah. that. But yeah, I, I don't want to, you know, we, we're trying to look at the, uh, trying to not just consider the sort of romantic side of this, but you, you can't exclude that with Duffy, can you? Just no, no. how how big that moment was. But yeah, he was a regular goal scorer for us right the way through. And, yeah. you know, whilst going to a, a flat midfield three, definitely worked like way better than I thought it would going into last season like so much better and and not having a number 10 we've really lacked that option this season mm. and the yeah. the one option we had is on loan at Nottingham Forest and yeah. you know again not a 
I was going to say, not pulling up any in trees. In a similar say, way yeah. to Coots, we've probably mm. never replaced him. I'm not saying he personally would have been good enough for the Premier League, but we never... Luke Freeman never got close to him, really. And I don't think McGoldrick does when he plays then, either. Yeah, no, that's true. So, I'm good with going Duffy 6, Norwood 5, then. Is that in yeah, line that's, with that, your Yeah, that's what I'd go, yeah. So, there's four players left, and they are... Big four. The big four, yeah. Basham, Shaw. The one been with us all the way through. They are indeed, yeah. And in the case of Basham and Sharp, they predate yep. Chris Wilder, which is an interesting wrinkle, I think. Yeah, you did ask me that. Are we only considering uh, Wilder signed players, but no, I think it's uh, I think it's interesting to look at um, ones who yeah. were here before. But yeah, yeah, so the four remaining players: Basham, Sharp, Fleck, O'Connell. Who do you think should be next off the board? I've gone Fleck in my list. Okay, I've gone O'Connell next. Ooh, yeah. Um, the reason I've gone Fleck, uh, well, his four seasons are pretty much consistent performances up until this season. He had a bit of a dodgy start to the championship promotion season, if you remember. He, he wasn't quite at his best, and then he ended that season fantastically. Like Duffy, he's involved in all our best pre-Premier League moments, but unlike Duffy, he's also excelled in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. I think pre-lockdown, he was our best player last season. I'd still say even now, this might say a lot about the rest of him, but i still say now he's our best midfielder. Yeah. And that's oh, five seasons down the line from a free transfer from Coventry. Yeah, I... So, let me just get this up. So, I... so. I guess what we would would you is is it between O'Connell and Fleck for you? That's yeah, I've got O'Connell at third. Yeah. Okay, so that that's the debate here essentially. So we're we're in, we're in line with that. I actually had McGoldrick above O'Connell in my initial right. list, but you you talked me into it. Um, so I'm trying to think if I can make the case for. I can easily make the case for Fleck. I guess the the reason I would have O'Connell as the fourth of the remaining ones is I suppose and it, this is kind of a it's almost a criticism of how good he's been in a way but there's not been I, I think the other three names Basham Sharp and Fleck have just they've sort of done more in terms of highlight moments or long-term success or just they've just basically done more in that time the thing with O'Connell is just we see how important he was this season when he hasn't been there. And we, you know, we talked about players like Baldock, like, well, you know, how would we have done if we just had another right wing back there? Well, yeah, yeah. we've seen how we'll do with seven different left centre backs there. And <laughs> yeah. he has been so important and he's so good. I mean, he really should have been in an England squad, um, you know, yeah, eight, yeah, 18 yeah. months ago. It's, it's insane that he wasn't. I mean, the injury is like put paid to that. And that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, I would guess that's probably won't get to that level. No, again. I agree. And it, it just really, really, to be honest, you, O'Connell, it, when you first asked me to do this, uh, wait, I, were, I were in the pub actually. My first first thing that I said to my mate was, "I'm going to have to go O'Connell number one. Look where we are without him." And obviously, I've mm. thought about it since, and you're right with what you're saying and stuff. But yeah, I mean, the best case for O'Connell is look what's happened without him. <laughs> yeah, he's so good. He's so consistent. Having him like bombing forward from centre back and you know creating havoc and creating chances is has been phenomenal. Obviously, scored uh, scored scored a 
it's an important goal to winning the game already, but the you know the decisive mm. yeah, goal against it. Remember which... forever, won't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. O'Connell's. You have to remember O'Connell started the season not in the first team up until about November. The the, the preferred three was Basham. Ebanks, Landell, and Jake Wright in uh, in League One, right? Yeah, sorry, he, League One. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. And he had a shocker, didn't he? Do you remember? Oh, the... when I first came in, I thought so against Southend, then he gave that handball away at Millwall. Like, who was this idiot that we've signed? <laughs> yeah, I think. And then in the next game against Southend, he oh, I might got this the wrong way around. Actually, did he? What did he do? Southend come before Millwall? Southend came before where he he scored an own goal, and I yeah. think basically just like. Missed the ball completely to well, allow someone else to It was him, Hossie, and Long all left it for each other. And then. Oh, God, yeah. And then um, the week after the damn ball. I remember when we even got promoted to the championship, Wednesday fans laughing, saying, because I think Lucas Jower gave him a runaround when he was playing for Brentford. And they were posting videos saying, this guy's never going to survive in the championship. And then when we went to the Premier League again, Wednesday fans saying, this is not just having a go at Wednesday fans, because most neutral fans have probably thought this. He's never going to survive in the Premier League. He's too slow. Look, he's just a big lump. To perform as he did and got better every season, that is the greatest compliment I can play to O'Connell. Every single season he played, he was better than the one before. I think last season was his peak. Yeah, that's a good shout. I just want to quickly return to what I was saying about England chance. I think there's, there's, there's obviously a chance he'll get back to as good as he was then, but I think that was quite a unique circumstance with England where... Yeah, Southgate wanted a left-footed centre-back, basically, and for some reason decided to go with Tyrone Mings instead. It's and, just uh... that, do you know, that was my most angry I've ever been. I think it's almost <laughs> put me off England. Like, I, I, I know that sounds like so petty, but it has, because I'm just thinking, well, I, I can't trust you. If, you. if you genuinely looked at last season and thought Tyrone Mings was a better bet than Jack O'Connell, then, you know, I, I've got no respect to, to you. you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so returning to the matter at hand, my... I, I would have Fleck above O'Connell, and my my case for that is, yeah, the you know the goals, the big moments. You know, he scores the goal that clinches his promotion at Northampton. He scores the, yeah, you know, yeah. the free kick that shocks Hillsborough in the yeah. derby. I think also like O'Connell, he has got better every season as well. I mean, this season step back, I think, uh, but you know, so is so is everyone, and you know, maybe he's another one who suffers from O'Connell not being there. To be mm. honest, of you know, down that left hand side. But I just think he's been so important to us in midfield over yeah. over a long period of time. Um, it's it's a real it is a bit of a toss up for me these two. But I just think flex sort of dynamism going forward, the goal scoring threat. How many goals did he score? He's got five goals. Last yeah, I think last yeah, season, yeah, five in the uh, in the Premier League last season, yeah. yeah. And I think the levels that he's reached are more sort of. I think he's played at a higher level than O'Connell has, even during last season. I mean, so I'm not sure I'd agree with that. I, I agree with what you're saying. It's overall. indefinable, admittedly. Yeah, so, undefinable. It's a different position, so it's difficult. Uh, yeah, I know. Mm. No, I think, for instance, yeah. I mean, I'm happy to go with it. I really am happy to go with it because, like you say, it is a top. The only reason I'd go for O'Connell above is simply because of this season. But we've pretty much missed Fleck as well for a large chunk, chunk of this season. The real John Fleck, anyway. It's quite clearly not fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Hmm. I think. I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to decide O'Connell for Fleck three. Just that's fine. Yeah. Just because of some of the highlight moments for Fleck, I think just. I think that's just going to be my like my deciding vote, yeah. if you like. You know, the thing that just tips the scales a little bit, and it's a bit unfair because obviously, as a 
you know, as a, a an attacking creative midfielder, you get the opportunity to have those highlight moments a bit mm. more. So, yeah, it's perhaps a little bit unfair, but we've got to we've got to split them somehow, and that's yeah, how that's, I'm, that's, yeah. that's how I'm going to do it. But if uh, anyone's listening to this and thinks O'Connell should be the number one most important player on this list, then I'm going to listen to that argument because it's a yeah. very compelling argument. He's been a huge player for us, and uh, yeah, it's sort of it's sort of bitterly ironic that this season has shown more than any other season just how important he is to us. <laughs> so we're, we're down to the final two, mate. There's Chris Basham and Billy Sharp, the the two players who I see sort of interchangeably named as Mr. Sheffield United by fans, by United's own social media team. And now we have to decide between them who should be the number one most important player of uh, of Chris Wilder's tenure as manager. Let's do it that way. Let's let's just uh, let's just decide who is the number one and who gets the silver medal. What are you uh, What are you saying? In second place, I've got Chris Basham. Oh, we're going to disagree. Hey. Well, Here like we this. go. I love this. Come on. <laughs> so why why would Billy Sharp be number one for you? Especially I, if you hate him, you're, you're well documented. I know, this. yeah, people are going to be amazed. Like, yeah. You're overcompensating. The, the abuse has got to you. <laughs> <laughs> too scared, running scared. Uh, I just think, I don't. for me, I don't see how it can't be. 66 goals in three seasons he scored. I mean, that's phenomenal. He's <laughs> absolute. For a player who everyone said was past his best in the championship... That is a phenomenal return in those three seasons. No other goals. There is nobody else we could have got for League One who would have done what he did for us in the terms of that 30 goals. He was by far the most important player that season. The season we went up, what was his second top goal scorer in the league? Behind someone like Tammy Abraham or something like that. Yeah, I think he's got, I was just trying to bring it up, I think he's got 23 that season yeah. in the league. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I also think the reason I've gone from there is not just his goals. I don't think you can underestimate his role as club captain. Mm. I think Wilder getting through what a blade meant to the players, but being a blade meant to the to the players wasn't enough. Then you've got Sharp with him too. I think he's a tremendous club captain. I think he typifies the era. Players written off, performing miracles. His goal record's there for all to see. People might say he's not done it in the Premier League. I don't think anyone expected him to. And I actually think he's done okay, to be mm. honest. I think so as well, yeah. I know he's not got the goals, but we haven't got the goals. I think before lockdown, he was scoring, and I think his all-round game has actually been decent. I think I probably maybe fifth or sixth best player this season. He's hardly played. I don't think he's really had. He can't. I mean, the, the goals, the, the wins that we've had this season, they've come from a Billy, two, two Billy Sharp winners. You know, two of the games. I, I, I don't know. I certainly think he's improved as a player as as he's gone on with us, even though he's not scoring as much, but that's due to circumstances of us not creating anything because we're at a higher level. I think his all-round game has improved. And I think even at his age, he's still an asset like next season. I wouldn't want to lose him next season. Oh, hell no. Absolutely not. Put, put Billy Shelf in a, in a side that creates chances and yeah, he'll be still banging him in. I mean, yeah, he scored uh, yeah 23 goals in that championship promotion season. I, yeah. <clears throat> I guess... Yeah, we we probably don't get promoted. Well, we probably maybe oh, I don't know. It's hard to say. Hugely important in getting promoted from League One. We've got I think it's, I don't think we do. You look at the other strikers available: McNulty, Matt Doan, Lavery, uh, James Hansen. I don't think they got. Well, they didn't get ten between. Did they get five between them? 
who, who were the first couple of names there? Doan? Doan, Hansen, McNulty, Lavery. No, I don't think so. I think Lavery might have scored three, something like that. So it might six or seven, maybe. Of goals that Sharp took up there. Yeah, I, don't, yeah, yeah. I don't think we go up with that, Billy Sharp, in, in either season. Yeah, and he obviously set us up brilliantly in the championship, didn't he? I mean, he, you know, he didn't. He was injured for sort of the the back end of that season, wasn't he? Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, McGoldrick yeah. kind of carried the load. But yeah, he was uh, he was in. I'm just looking now. Like, yeah, it's good. He scored like one against Preston, then he scored against uh, Millwall the next week, two against Blackburn, then he got a couple of games later a hat trick against Wigan. Mm. Oh, actually, it just got ridiculous that season, didn't it? I'm just yeah, yeah. He obviously broke the record for the most goals ever in uh, is it EFL history or whatever. Yeah, uh, so in a, a nine game run in um, starting in December. This is the promotion season. Yeah, scored scored against Ipswich, scored against Derby the next game, scored two against Blackburn the next game when we we're down to ten men. Scored against Wigan the next game. Then he had two games where he didn't score, shockingly. Two against Norwich, who obviously won the league. One against Bolton. And then a hat-trick against Villa in uh, that dread game. And then he only scored one more after that. But, yeah, uh, the I, li- I like the case of the, you know, the you can't underestimate the importance of Sharp as a captain, for sure. And, you know, setting setting the tone for what was a new Sheffield United. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. so different to what, United were like for what six, seven years, even longer. In fact, going, mm. you know, going probably back to like 2010 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that old playoff season. Yeah, yeah, just a completely different team. And when you think about how, you know, we've had so many years of United crumbling. You know, when it when it mattered, and mm. suddenly we didn't do that. And you know, everything we performed in the big moments generally i mean you know you think of all the opportunities we had to to crumble i guess during this whole ride you know like yeah. leeds away for example or uh you know norwich away and forest at home forest at home yeah just and it didn't happen because it was a new sheffield united and he, he really did play a big part in that. obviously the and even the first played. game of the premier league season he obviously got the equalizer we could have lost that mm. game one nil could have been a season like this season. Who knows? You know, if we don't get that confidence of that first win, it did. Uh, it did make a big difference, I'm sure. Um, so the other person in contention is Basham, and yeah, I've yeah. got too. So I'm not going to be too. I'm not going to criticise the guy. Yeah, but yeah, the sharp case you've made is extremely strong. So <clears throat> Basham. I mean, we've talked about him obviously at length, but he does so much for United. It's yeah. It's insane. He's he's at times been one of our biggest attacking threats. I mean, the goals. The don't... game against West Brom is when I at don't home. know. I, this has been an appalling season, and that game against West Brom. I won't say it's, it's crowning glory, but it was like, hang on, this guy. It was. I won't say we're a joke sort of good player. We're like, oh, look at Basham running. Around. It's like, no, hang on, this guy is is genuinely our best attacking threat now. Yeah. That was amazing. I wish I'd seen the. Um, I mean, <laughs> I had more important things to attend to, namely the, uh, the the birth of my daughter. But I wish I'd seen the uh, the Aston Villa game uh, at home yeah, the season the before the back heel, and uh, I think he was he was quite involved in a few other things in that game as well. But yeah, he's, you know, the the rise of Basham is such a great story from you know a mediocre league one midfielder to yeah. i'd love to be able to go back and pinpoint the moment where i was like 
do you know what? Chris Basham is actually excellent. Like, you know, he's no I longer just... Do you know, at the end of the Clough season, he was a bit of a fan's favourite then. Mm. Uh, I remember, because I'm reading back in the programmes and stuff like that, and everybody, and when we did the 5-5 uh, the review, I went mm. on S2 to see what people were saying back then. Everybody was like, we need to get Basham in midfield. He's our best midfielder. You know, he's, he's the only player. I think he'd sort of started turning it around under Clough. Mm. And then I think, even under Atkins, he was one of the better players. Yeah, I, I personally didn't. I didn't rate him that highly then, but that you know, that's me. I don't even entire fan base. I like to read. I didn't think he played above League One level. When I say he were good, yeah, I thought you were a good League One player. I just, I, I want to, I want to be able to go back and see. And maybe I should, I probably should look this up before. But I'd love to know the first, the first time we started using him as this sort of roving centre back, and mm. to know how that evolved behind the scenes because. Yeah, we talked earlier about how the excellence of the two wing backs was so important to allowing yeah. us to play that way, but we can't play that way without O'Connell, and we certainly can't without Basham. And no. Basham is, for my money, Basham is better going forward than O'Connell. It's just, I think O'Connell's all round game is probably yeah, slightly that, better. Yeah. And... The, the thing with Basham as well is every season he's the first person, right? Need to get rid of Basham, improve on Basham. It's true, yeah. And he, he ended up winning player of the season in the Premier League. Yeah. God, that was mad. And he was... No, McGoldrick won of the year before, but I think he was in like the top three, wasn't yeah. he, in the Championship? If you think we finished top ten in the Premier League, we're probably never going to do that again, <laughs> to be honest. I don't want to like get doom and gloom, but such a huge achievement. Yeah. And out of all these players we've talked about, we've gone through today, out of all of them, it was Basham who, who was the best of the lot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think... It's qu- we're quick to talk about how good he is going forward because obviously that's the that's the thing that jumps out in it. It's like the yeah. here goes the centre back. You know, he's just he's just dummied three players and he's just left Kevin De Bruyne laid on the floor and now he's yeah, backheeled yeah, yeah. it through to Lundstrom or whatever. But that almost, in some ways, that almost downplays just how good a defender he is as well. And mm. it, yeah, I was, I was definitely in the camp of being slightly worried about how he'd get on at centre back in the Premier League, but. I mean, even thinking like the first the first home game against um, Palace that year, and uh, he had a bit of help from Baldock and, and vice versa. But the job that he did on Zahar and uh, mm. the rest of that team yeah. was outstanding. It's some really like top class bits of defending in that yeah. game, and and all the way through the season. I mean, I I, uh, I think one of my I guess the things I feel like slightly privileged to have been out was Spurs away. Absolutely immense in that. I don't know if you remember that one where he uh, he got back like uh, Son was in on goal essentially. Oh, that tackle! Yeah, stormed yeah. back, knocked him over with a tackle. Both players are on the floor, and he's still the first one to get up and get to the loose ball. Yeah. And then he's involved. I'm really in the... upset that I didn't make the cheer. Son's crying out there. That was missed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everyone, everyone had a field day with that this yeah, week. Yeah, oh, I could have got in there anyway. Just wait for, <laughs> wait for Spurs to get. No, Spurs are only knocked out of the Europa League, aren't they? So they've. Uh, yeah, they are. Yeah, that, yeah. that opportunity is now gone. Oh, this is really, really tough. Uh, let me just check my original list. Yeah, so I had Basham, Basham and Sharp were my top two. So we've we've agreed on that. I, th- I think you've talked me into it, mate. Oh, that's great news. This is a brilliant. I might just quit the pod after this because all, <laughs> all the years that people think I've been slagging Sharp off, and here we are. I've managed to convince you that he's actually <laughs> he was the best of all those all those players. Mm, just thinking about this some more. 
take your time. There's no rush. <laughs> it's only dead air. People have been listening for an hour, hour and a half or whatever already. Guitar out, hang on. <laughs> Do we finish top ten in the Premier League without Chris Basham? I don't think so. No. Do we finish top ten in the Premier League without Billy Sharp? Yes, we pretty much did. Mm, it's tough, but then do we get promoted? Mm, God, that's hard, isn't it? I think, I think we have to. We, we're going to have to get into the nitty gritty of like uh, the minutiae of some of this here. And I think Sharp's goals. Obviously, he's a striker. Basham's a defender. Mm. But yeah, that's that might be a deciding factor. The captaincy thing as well. Mm. Yeah, it's got to be. Uh, it's got to be up there. Basham, you know, he's got the. Has Basham got the bigger individual moments with like uh, leads away? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I know what you're saying now. I'm trying to think. Sharp, Sharp's Bournemouth Sharp one is the, one. the big one, isn't it? And the yeah. 30th, goal, 30th goal against Chelsea as well. And the actually against Villa, which is unfortunately for him, he's thought yeah, about now yeah. for different reasons, yeah. It's true. I think, yeah. The volley but... against Leeds, maybe? Yeah, but it ultimately didn't matter for anything at the end of the no, season, did true. it? Finish outside true. the playoffs. So I think, unless unless I'm being really unfair and forgetting things here, I think you could say that Basham's highlight moments are maybe more important than Sharp's. But I'm trying to think, that's a good. Yeah, I can't think of any. I mean, this this game such as Peterborough away, where mm-hmm. Sharp, you, you where Sharp scores, obviously that, and that's 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 renowned really as the game that everyone knew. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, uh, and, um, I mean, get- well. 66 goals or whatever it is across... Uh, is that what it is? Across the four well, seasons? 20, hang on, look, I thought he got 22 in the championship. I might have added... Oh, is it 23? I can't remember. 30, Transfer marked says 23 championship He's goals. 66. Yeah, cause he got 13, I think, in the championship first season back. Yeah, I think that's right. And He's 66 uh, in three Well, he's got 95 goals in 105 appearances. Sorry, well, no. 205. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, settle down. Neymar, <laughs> like there, yeah. <laughs> like Leon Clark, basically, extrapolated <laughs> over three seasons. I think uh, I think the goal, goals win games, uh, and he has been a, a master goal scorer, and hopefully he will continue to be in the championship. And I, I can't help but... Oh, both of these players are capital R romantic, though, aren't they? The the things that they've done for us, and hopefully will continue to do for us as well. I it's... absolutely love the idea of like a Blackpool fan, or a Leeds fan, or uh, a Reading fan, or who, the, who played for you know Billy Sharp played for Reading and uh, Leeds and Basham at Blackpool and Bolton. Their fans listening, what they've got promoted for? They're their best two players. It's, that's, yeah, that, but yeah. that sums up the Wilder era. Those two better than anyone. It does. It's that's a satisfying. And the fact way you never signed them as well. That's just like a almost like a quirk. Yeah, well, it just shows how terrible Wilder was with transfers. I suppose yeah. the best, the <laughs> yeah. most two most important players were already. I mean, come on, anyone could have. <laughs> Didn't even need him. Told you to give Atkins another season. I just thought. Right. So here's the ten. Let me know if uh, if you feel terrible about any of these, or whether we can whether we can lock them in. Number 10, Paul Coots. Number 9, Ender Stevens. In at 8, John Egan. 7, David McGoldrick. 6, Mark Duffy. Norwood making the top 5. Jack O'Connell at 4. John Fleck at 3. Chris Basham at 2. Billy Sharp, the number 1 most important player of the Chris Wilder era. How do you feel about that? I'm happy with that. 
I'm happy with it. I mean, I'm not, because we've left a lot of good people out, and we'll probably finish, and I'll think, mm, maybe Basham were better, actually, but <laughs> we can't carry on forever. So. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm satisfied with that. I feel I can I can sit back and, you know, drink a cup of tea and feel like I've done due diligence on that. I can, yeah. I can justify that placings. It's not, it's not my original top ten. I'm just trying no. to see the, uh, yeah, the top th- three were the same anyway. So we agreed on that one. And then a little bit of difference further down, but that's that's to be expected, I suppose. But yeah, I feel I feel pretty good about that. And uh, now we're waiting was... for the abuse. Come yeah, on. I know. <laughs> well. If you uh, if you do not agree, and I expect that you won't, dear listener, because that was a, a hard exercise, as you uh, you probably noticed, please do tweet us and um, yeah, but provide some reasoning would be nice. Please don't just don't just give me a ten. Give me if you want, give us a give us a five and tell us why. Absolutely, or... Dino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder who do you reckon is the most? Is there any other player that could have been seriously considered? Probably not. Is there? I know somebody sent us Key and Brian earlier. I think I think Henderson is the one that I, I imagine that people might say, "Hang on, <laughs> mm. that's the one." That's the one I think that people might not be happy with. That's the one. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely would have been Coots if he'd have missed out. He would. He would have been the one that people. Would yeah, have been... I, I think I've saved your bacon there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably have. Yeah, or well, people would have just said we were doing it for the uh, doing it for the clicks. Yeah, yeah. Bit of, yeah. Uh, bit of clickbait. Leave uh, leave out the title for this year. You will not believe who they left out. Then <laughs> 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 put a picture of Billy Sharp. <laughs> yeah, that's that's there. You go. You've written my tweet for me when this goes live. <laughs> Perfect. All right, mate. That was good. I enjoyed that. That was. Yeah, nice. uh, a nice way to look back on that era as well. We're not we're not done with the past. We'll be we'll be talking more about uh, those wilder years. And yeah, we we eventually will do a uh, bit of a discussion about what it was like actually having Wilder as manager as well. God God bless him. Uh, yeah, yeah. Seen having having to sit through a lunch with uh, Neil Lennon today. If you believe it. not today, sorry this this week. If you if you believe the photos, John Lennon as I called him earlier. John Lennon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a drink with John Lennon. It's like what? <laughs> <laughs> his time machine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, there we go, mate. It's, it's Spurs next, I think, isn't it? Is that this week? on Sunday. Yeah, I'll be watching that one um, for my sins. Uh, what uh, yeah. what time's kickoff? See what uh, see what delights you can pull up for that one. Yeah, what, what time they're fans, by the way, because obviously they're doing the view from. Um... Oh no, sorry, I was just looking after the cup final, see what they were saying. Mm. Wow, they're so so depressed. The Spurs fans, they're worse than us. Yeah, how do you uh, how do you feel about them having a twenty nine year old as their manager? Not happy about that at all. <laughs> to be honest, I don't think he should be in school. He should... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose to be fair, if if you'd asked like twenty five year old me that question, I would still feel quite bad about it. It's like, yeah. Yeah, twenty nine. So... That's too. I mean, how old was Carl Robinson? Wasn't he about twenty eight when he started, or something like that? Mm, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Look at him now. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that is quarter past seven on Sunday, and then uh, yeah, I thought we were eight o'clock. I'm just going on what's on Google. Oh, you're probably me... right. I just yeah, I'd have missed the first half then if I'd have. Uh... Yeah. What kind of blade are you? Oh, no, yeah. Uh, no, seven fifteen, according to uh, our site as well. Um, and uh, yeah, let, let's have some news about uh, tickets for Burnley at home as well. Let's get a manager. <laughs> let's get a manager, but uh, I would quite like to. Uh, tell, yeah, actually, I meant to mention that right at the top. So we can just let's talk about, about it now before we, before we finish. But um, 
You watched the League Cup final, didn't you? I did watch the League Cup final, and I thought it was fantastic as a, as a spectacle. Yeah, just to just see to the fan fans back and stuff. Brilliant. I couldn't believe there were only 2,000 fans of each team. Mm. This was like a 7,700 attendance or something like that, because you've got yeah. all the sort of key workers who've got tickets as well. Yeah. But it was a good atmosphere. For, it was. You know what I mean? In a 90,000-seat stadium, so what was that, like 7% full, uh, 8% full, rather? Yeah. It, it fell... So I I was expecting, you know, one person per block almost. Same here. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe how close together were. If you remember with the, the trial games when... Um, oh, like Brighton and Southampton. Yeah, Brighton. They were all together as well. Uh, yeah, they're all in one stand, weren't they? But, yeah, yeah. Uh, that gave me a bit of encouragement, actually, as to the, the match-going experience, because it just, it, it just looked a bit like a... You know, an away game, really. You know, you know, it's like we haven't sold out, and so people kind yeah, of just, yeah. It reminded you know, me, obviously, of a. I mean, someone was saying to me yesterday, actually, that United, for instance, let's say they're on about twenty thousand back. I think they said, like, at the start of next season. That's what the. I'm sure that's what I read. That's the. I don't know if that's the aim or what they they, they expect. It's only like us in our league one days. That. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it'd be that much. I think, you know what I mean? I'd be quite happy with that in a way. I mean, obviously you want full 30,000 back, but if we have to make a compromise, then I'd be all right with that. Yeah. But yeah, just, uh, you know, watching watching that game with fans, even though it was only 2,000, I mean, and obviously yeah. I'm I'm desperate for football with fans now. Like to, to an extent, I never thought I would be 12 months ago. Like the, no, no. You know, just the the difference it makes to my level of ability to sustain an interest in a game of football is, yeah. it turns out, absolutely huge. Um, I mean, I've to... gone from sort of losing interest in other matches mm. to sort of losing interest in our matches, which came a little bit before we got, actually got relegated because I think we even said it earlier on this season, it, it, it was really, really difficult to get engaged. And I, I love, you know, I... You know, I've watched some awful United games. I, I've streamed friendlies, and you know what I mean? And it's got to the I mean, like I say, some people can do it, and some people haven't lost that sort of enjoyment or whatever. But take away the fact that we're awful, and I'm, I still find it really difficult to get engaged. And I think the lads on Four Blades actually said something very similar, and I was just nodding along with that. It's quite depressing, but you sort of feel so detached because you're not there and you're not connected at all. Yeah. That was yeah, I really enjoyed that. Maybe enjoyed in inverted commas, not the not the right word, but yeah, similar to you, who was nodding along of like yeah, very well articulated. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely uh, voiced. I guess a lot of thoughts that I've been having internally. And as it's well, not so. the club's fault. And as bad as we have been, yeah, it's not helped how bad we've been. But it's not the club's fault that people have sort of become so disinterested. Because I, I look at forums every week, of us the review from. Everybody's the same. Everybody's mm. the same. Yeah, so, yeah, flip side of that, a few thousand fans there. I was suddenly like, oh, this feels like a real game. You know, it's got a... And you said it, didn't you, that, you know, it was almost as though the players were going into tackles a bit harder. And, you know, maybe some of that's in the mind a little bit. But but that's okay. I'm I'm all right with that. Yeah, I thought it were quicker, the tempo. I really did. I thought... Mm. I mean, Tottenham were awful, but the last-ditch tackles and stuff. And like you say, maybe that would have happened anyway. But I think Vincent Company were on a couple of weeks ago and he said, you can't... You can't underestimate the fact that fans being there when you're playing because you'll take that extra touch and stuff if, if there's no fans there because there's no, what oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> Man on and everything. It's like you, you, you do panic more when the fans are there, but it makes you, you, you're you more sort of prepared and you it makes for a more intense game. Mm. Get them back. Come on. Yeah. So it, 
it made me more hopeful for uh, enjoyment of football, I guess, generally. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, encouraging, encouraging signs, hopefully, uh, you know, obviously from a, a public health perspective, obviously, that hopefully the, you know, the numbers keep trending in the right direction yeah. there in terms of uh, COVID cases and whatnot. And, um, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe that Burnley game will have some fans in and, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll, be lucky enough to uh, get a ticket in a ballot. You never know. So yeah. we'll see. Keep an eye out on uh, you be like what United that. actually not, do that. You've, not watched, you've missed a few games this season, so be like, who's he? <laughs> not, I've been blacklisted. I shouldn't have said that on there. I should have, <laughs> I should have pre- pretended that I'd watched uh, Leeds all, and, yeah. and Arsenal. Well, I've only missed two, and they were due to my, uh, like I say, my... Um, Inebriation. One, my one, one man ambition to keep the pubs open during this tough time. So I don't want to go out. I'm just doing it for them. <laughs> You're doing your bit for Sheffield, mate. Yeah. That's, that's what I like to hear. Right, this has been a, a a whopping podcast, but I very much enjoyed it, and I hope anyone who's uh, made it this far also enjoyed it. Do you want to plug Living with Maidley, your other podcast yeah. pursuits before we finish up? We just released um, Underrated Comedy, which I mentioned last week. Uh, lots of te- technical difficulties to why that will late, but you can catch that at uh, Living with Maid One. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, Living with Maid One on Twitter. Um, yeah, and we're recording another one tonight. That'll be the final one of the series. So, yeah, what's uh, what's the final episode on? Um, it's. Do you remember the uh, Tourette's documentary? <laughs> My lord. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a very controversial <laughs> one, but. We feel that we can do it justice because it was one of my most memorable TV, well, most memorable TV memories, uh, that documentary. So we're going to cover that and um, see if it's as good as we remember it. <laughs> this is such an odd... <laughs> when you write down the uh, list of topics that your <laughs> podcast has covered. It's just basically oh, something boy. we talk about and that's something that I remember vividly. That documentary being on him, just being because I'd never, I'd never heard of Tourette's before by that 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 stage, and just being like, I mean, obviously a lot of it is funny, the stuff they're saying, stuff, but just the 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 craziness of the disease, of the illness, the the sort of, I think they say in one of the, the one of the quotes of the documentary, it's the wild man disease because it's just something you can't sort of comprehend. Mm. Nice. So that's uh, that's the next episode anyway. Yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, Underrated comedies is out now. Isn't That's it? right, yeah. Out the weekend was your technical difficulties just because you've been to the pub again. That was part part of the difficulties is that I'm really lazy and Liam does the editing and we went right. out. But a lot now we had the downloading. So I'll, I'll not go into it. It's so boring. Just <laughs> okay, the, so a lot of things blocked in our country and things that you couldn't use and stuff. So we had to sort of re-edit certain scenes and yeah. Wow. Ah, nightmare. <laughs> Some exciting inner workings of that. Yeah, yeah. So what, you better listen to it. You put a lot of effort. To it. <laughs> <laughs> well that is living with Maidley and uh yeah you can get that wherever you got this particular yes. podcast and you uh there's a there's a latest view from the uh, grumpy Brighton fans as well isn't there Brighton fans not happy um it's good when we win I mean it's it's just it's I've only won five this season I've done like I've done them every week <laughs> we missed a couple of games out obviously it's just like oh my we won I'm going to enjoy actually getting these together I remember why I did it in the first place now <laughs> you, I mean you say we've only won five but I think in like 15 years if you ask put me on the spot and say how many games do you think we won that season I'd, oh, yeah. I'd, I'd be like two maybe yeah. like, and I'll be stunned when I'm it's pointed out that we've won five or more games. It's just like, but that season was awful. We were the worst, like 
for six yeah. months we were the worst team in Premier League history. How the hell did we win five games? And actually yeah, well, was... now we're on the same points as Villa went down with when they went down. And I don't remember them being particularly abysmal. <laughs> yeah, so come on, football yeah. history. Get off our backs. Already. One more. If we get two more wins in the last five, I think we should do an open top boss. <laughs> If we finish 19th, imagine that. How many how many points are we behind? Uh, I think it's about West Brom? nine. <laughs> Is it nine points? I think uh, it's, it's eight. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Scratch, scratch that. Got then. no chance. The thing is, uh, not, my, my new uh, sort of aim in my own head is getting to the same points as Norwich. Because obviously that inevitably means we'll definitely go up next season. Definitely win. Uh, uh, so we need another four points in the last five. I don't fancy our chances that much, mate, I'm afraid. No. Just so give me, give me three goals. Yeah, just give me three goals. Get us 21 goals for the season and uh, yeah. we'll, we'll call it a day there. That'll do nice one. <laughs> All right, good stuff, mate. Thanks very much for your time. I enjoyed uh, enjoyed arguing with you for once, even though yeah, obviously we here, mate. Yeah. ultimately agree in the end. And uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll catch up with you later. Thanks a lot. Right. Thanks a lot, mate. Cheers. Cheers.